In this episode, towards the end, we discuss suicide briefly. In case this is relevant for anyone listening or someone they know, the suicide lifeline in the United States is 988. In Canada, it is 1-833-456-4566. And in the United Kingdom, the suicide lifeline is 0800-689-5652. And uh, I have a link on the episode uh, notes for a a list of the lifeline per country in the world because it's a lot to go through but there you go this quick warning so that just know that that it this will not come up until the very very end episode Yeah, it's it's a it, yeah. We'll get into it. So yeah, welcome to Dark Habits in El Motivar podcast. You got it. And uh, <laughs> this episode is on the Meikokaji film, uh, Blind Woman, Blind Woman's Curse from 1970, directed by uh, let's say Taro Ishii. Taro Ishii. Yep. And so I, I picked this randomly because we had behind the scenes. I haven't recorded in a bit. I kind of wanted something that like fits the overall theme of the season slash something I don't have to actually uh, necessarily pay super close attention to because I know it pretty well and I have a review of it on my uh, blog. So in, in my thoughts on the movie haven't really changed and from my blog, although I don't really do like a star rating or anything, it's, you kind of read my interpretation of things. And sometimes, uh, I like I, I reread the some some recently. It's like this. It sounds like I love this movie, and I really don't love this movie. But it could easily be misread that I love whatever thing I was <laughs> reviewing. Well, it's like with any art, right? You're in the intention of the artist is gone as soon as somebody interprets uh, yeah. you know <laughs> it's a little I bit think, more difficult with writing but you know it can yeah. happen and, and writing systems to me are just like what's the fucking point like you, you're just going to skip to the writing at the end you're not going to yeah. that's true yeah I mean that, that makes sense when you're like writing a review but like on something like Letterbox, where I'm literally just making it for myself to remember which ones I liked and which ones I didn't. Maybe yeah. I should only have two ratings. Yeah, well, when I, before I quit Letterbox, I, I I just quit doing star ratings altogether. It was to be like heart or no heart, and that really meant it had no real, no real meaning behind it either. It was just mm. like figure it out. It's for you to figure out. Yeah, if you're just going, if you went through it, you'd be like, you won't be able to tell what I like and don't like, really. 
That's got hearts on it, though. You said. You said you've got hearts. Come on. But it could be, like, this is so stupid, it's enjoyable. You can't tell if it's sincere or not. What do you mean? That's a, I, that is sincerity, as far as I'm concerned. What's it? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Alright. So uh, I think it's about opinion. It's not like the best movies. Yeah. Uh, who are you? Well, I'm Joel. I'm the fucking co-host of this show. Who the hell are you? <laughs> you know, I don't think I introduced <laughs> you yet. No, that's okay. Well, I, assuming that this is not somebody's first episode, if it is your first episode, welcome. Trans lives are human lives. But uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, hopefully they know who I am. Okay. Although, if you've been yeah. listening like to the last like, three episodes, you may have missed me. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, yeah, just to go on with trans rights or human rights thing, uh... Uh, if you're if you know anyone who's like misinformed uh it's a good uh if you can and it won't like fuck up a say working relationship or anything try uh really try to get to the core of like their misunderstanding because some people generally believe like the litter box thing and shit like that you know what I'm talking about no I have no idea what you're talking about I'm, uh, I feel like I'm afraid. I don't want to know. It's stupid to the point. It's hilarious. Uh, no. Almost. Okay. Uh, that because kids are being forced to thinking they're trans now, they think they're cats. So schools are putting litter boxes in the bathrooms. Oh, that's old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I recently heard people who are like genuinely believe that's real. Yep. Listen, if it's said on the internet, how are you supposed to verify that it's real or not? Yeah, okay. And let's just say it's people of the generation who are like, don't believe what you read on the internet. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, not not family. I'm I'm talking about either. My family is a bit more informed and more like a, a media media literate enough to be like, I don't think I should believe everything. I see. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so like uh, uh, a little behind the scenes, I wanted to do a Mekokaji episode in the first season, but uh, I won't get into details. It just didn't quite happen, and it was going to be on Lady Snowblood one and two, just as a way to be like to force myself to be like. To, to figure out what doesn't work for me in those movies. And I still haven't rewatched them. I prefer 2 over 1, because 2 has uh, one of the uh, last film appearances bef uh, of Juzu, Juzo Itami, because before, because uh, he was a, a, a character, act, character actor, um, support, supporting actor for a long time, before directing movies. And that's and his career is kind of all over the place, but uh, that's one of his like last like super big roles as an actor. Mm -hmm. And like he is a he is a, a a young pup at forty in that movie. Yeah, yeah. well, it's because it's never too late to be a young pup. That's yeah. how the saying goes, right? Yes, because he didn't start directing until he was fifty, which again, you know. Some people start start later. Some people start start earlier. Sure, it's not the first person 
to do that, I feel like. No, Start. Yeah, I probably like to bring up how, like, you know, he's, uh, like, he's iconic and, like, a beloved filmmaker, but, like, he's one of, but he also, compared to other famous Japanese filmmakers, he started pretty late. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, Meiko Kashi, she's, uh, an icon, uh, basically her, 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 like, her main thing that people talk about is, like, stuff from, like, 1970 to about 1975, where she made a lot of cool action movies. And, uh, yeah, so I've kind of known, known about her for a while. She, the more I think about it, the more I realize, I think she might be my favorite, like, uh, one of my favorite action stars. Yeah. If I'm really, like, like, uh, think about it. But, uh, ha, uh, do you, have you heard of Meiko Kaji before? Like, what? Uh, uh, what's her history with with uh, her exactly? I mean, she's in uh, what's the, what's the one um, where the smell of rice turns on Joe Shishida, right? I don't believe so. Oh, I'm I'm mixing her up with a different actress. Yeah, because uh, the two women were naked in that, and she um didn't do. Well, she would do nudity sometimes, but at that point in her career, she would, didn't do, do nudity. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, then, I watched Lady Snowblood, probably with the intention of us recording about it at some point. So, that happened. But, uh, no, but not very familiar. I know fe- female prisoners, uh, 701 Scorpion, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. another one. And obviously, based on the three movies I've seen with her in it, yeah, sounds like she leaned more action. Yeah, she's like the the big female star of a time of like that of that type of movie who actually maintained a career after the mid seventies because a lot of them kind of just faded away because the industry moved on. And her whole career now is like support actress, character actress in bit parts and smaller parts and like movies and TV and shit. Mm. And still acting. She's still, uh, I saw like I have a Google alert set for her and she's joined the cast of some popular, I think it's a soap opera in Japan. Basically, uh, I think it was called like a soap opera. And it's like one of the bigger, like, uh, drama, drama shows on right now. I see. Uh, oh yeah, about the uh... yeah. So um, originally I wanted to do one of the stray cat stray cat rock movies, but they aren't streaming anymore, which uh, unfortunate. But um, because those are really good intro, yeah, those are really good uh, intros into like the pinky violence slash like uh. Japanese exploitation because they're not that gross where a lot of them can veer just gross and there's no other way of way of way of getting around that and it's just like a very strong flavor that I think you have to pick the right one to uh jump into for certain people mm. used to have that collection I don't I think I got rid of it no oh. they're really fun 
uh, yeah, so, uh, Blind Woman's Curse was, like, Meiko Kaji's first big starring role, and, uh, it's the first time she, no, second time she worked with Ishii, and Ishii's a guy who kind of worked for, in the studio system, more or less, for, like, 50 years, and he has a very distinct sensibility that, overall, does not work for me, but it's still entertaining. Um... I guess, like, I think he's an interesting director more than he's a good director, in my opinion. Mm. Based off, like, the five or so movies I've seen. Because he has a lot, but, like, not all of them have made over here. Slash, I don't want to pay, like, 40 bucks for a Blu-ray of a movie where I'm going to be like, it was okay. I like a bunch of these titles. Which ones have you seen? Uh, Orgies of Edo. Got that one, okay. Uh, he did one of the female Yakuza movies. I forgot which which one it was. Tail, it says. Female Yakuza tail. Yeah, the... Oh, Joey's said, accidentally captured by a drug trafficking. Anyways. I'd say that's a lesser one of them. Uh, I tried to watch Shogun's Joy of Torture, but I just didn't care for it. Horrors of the Malformed Men. Mm-hmm. Um, no thank you, I don't really care for that movie either. <laughs> Uh, I also like the point in the movie where they kill a snake on screen just to be like edgy and weird and I, it, it, for me it killed the mood and I was like I, I wasn't into it that much and that just ruined it for me even more alright gotta add that to my list here oh it's already on there thank you yeah it, but it's, it's, it's like a like a met, it's a uh a Rampo adaptation. It's about like the people af- who were like affected by radiation after World War Two, oh. more or less. The ones who were like uh, outcasted by society. I see. It's a, a, a metaphor of that, but it's kind of sloppy and all over the place. The way like Ishii movies kind of tend to be. It's on Apple TV. Yes, and. That's crazy. and yeah, Orgies of Edo is interesting. It's a, a, a anthology film, and one segment has because uh, like another thing I don't care. For, I, I don't like how Ishii is. Some, he is prone just like using animals in ways where it's like this is uncomfortable to sit through, and he had like a, a stunt where he lit a bull's horns on fire. Yeah, that's not nice. No, and you get mixtures of like it's a it's a machine bowl and a real bowl. It's like you could have just done the machine and like faked it. You yep. didn't need to do a real bowl. It's uncomfortable. Come on, animals don't have feelings. It's <laughs> like that's why they scream when they're in pain. It makes sense. <sighs> the pain's not uh, a feeling, or is it literally a feeling? We're talking about emotions here. Yeah. The, so, well, um, what was so? Uh, I don't know. This is too late to ask, but what 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 was your impression of like, of the direction slash like, approach of of this movie exactly? You're you're asking me a question. I don't know if I know the answer to. Well, did you think it was weirdly paced or kind of sloppy? Like, what, what what do you think of it? Well, if I had to complain about it, I could say that I wasn't aware of how much time was passing in between things like were there title cards because if there were i wasn't paying attention uh, to uh, 
you know, at the end of the movie, it's revealed that it had been five years since something something happened. Um, and we'll talk about it. You know, I don't I don't care. I'm just not spoiling it right this moment. Um, but I can't say I have any problem with the way it was shot. Um, pooh, I'm going to keep umming and I don't like to do that. You know, following characters look good. The shots of these, uh, there we go again, domiciles at night. I don't, what are the, what are their homes called? I don't even know. I used to know. But it's kind of a, Color, colorful inside a restaurant, colorful when the gang members are all hanging out. Uh, good shots of the violence, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, always a guarantee with his movies. And this, you know, another Tarantino probably saw this thing, blah, blah, blah. Of course he did. But it's yeah, like, tried... I, I really need to stop ever saying that Tarantino, blah, 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 because who cares at this point? <laughs> Yeah, chances are he's seen it, probably. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of feet in it, so... Yeah, I, do. I can't really complain about any... When it comes to the way it looked like it was directed or filmed. Uh, um, well, actually, the, the, if I can't say... <laughs> the the one thing that was off tonally to the rest was the small subplot of her uncle and his daughter and the guy who's a badass fighter having their own private little nice home thing going on. Yeah, that's kind of just like a staple of this type of movie, mm. which is like the the gritty, violent crime, like action, like exploitation thing, where it's just a whole lot of... Uh... Here's a bunch of moving pieces. Will it, will all, does all of it fit together? No. But that's just kind of like how these movies, how live movies work. Yeah. Oh, it didn't it didn't really take away from it. And gave us the whole the emotional payload we needed when things inevitably go downhill. Yeah. yeah um. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, um, what, uh, what, what, what is even? If you can quickly summarize, like, what is the story of of Blind Woman's Curse? Sure. There is a gang boss uh, who's a lady, which apparently is unusual. I'm not sure. I don't know. What's the name of their gang? Is it the Tokubara or something uh, like that? Tachibana. Tachibana. I was way off. I was so way off. And they the movie starts with them going and, and raiding the boss... I feel like I've heard the name Boss Gota or Gota or something a couple of times at this point in these movies. It's just a popular name for a guy who's about to go down. But there is an accident and a woman is blinded. And from there, which is another weird transition, suddenly somebody's having a nightmare and... It, <laughs> I don't even need to get into these details. We're just talking about the general plot here. There's too, so, much, too much little details. That's true. Yeah. So Lady Boss goes to jail, but she gets out at some point, released or whatever, and goes straight back into being the boss. And there is one rival gang that is out for their territory. So 
at first, um, they, they try to swing in and, and just take over the territory when nobody's there. That doesn't work out. And then something happens where they try to send an assassin, or that's what it seems like, and then we find out we have a double-crosser. And you can tell who the double-crosser is because he's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. The boss lady has a problem. Uh, when she was in jail, she had recurring nightmares of this cat. The cat that she saw that night licking up blood, but also coming after her, going straight for her face every time. And after the failed assassination of the other boss, some other weird stuff starts to happen. Mysterious woman shows up to other boss, says, I can help you out. And he's like, okay. <laughs> that lady's blind, I should mention. Uh, so soon lady boss's guild or er, guild what the hell am i saying gang slowly uh starts getting picked off one by one and this really gory thing going on is that they all share this dragon tattoo with lady boss's tattoo being the head of the dragon and each of them having a, another body segment at one point until it ends at the tail it's a really cool tattoo idea. I think I'm going to get like six guys together and we'll do that, but it'll just be like one really long hot dog. Are you going to grab all of your nieces and nephews? Yes, that's a good idea. Even the baby? <laughs> Definitely the baby. Is the newest baby going to be the head? Uh, No, that's the tail. I'm the head, obviously. Big oh. boss right here. <laughs> Wait, you're big boss? Yes. And you thought I was dead. But I came back in game number two. <laughs> yeah, so they're getting picked off. More double crossing is going on. There is another character who's this just wandering strong dude <laughs> who helps out in the beginning. And he ends up staying with one of Lady Boss's relatives. But we don't really have to worry about that for now. Eventually, the other gang gets away with framing Lady Boss's gang with selling opium. So the police come in and shut down her entire thing, which gives other boss the opportunity to go in and, and take over. But things are changing between Big Boss, no wait, New Boss, no wait, Other Boss, too many bosses in this, between Other Boss and the Mysterious Blind Lady. So it almost seems you can't tell whose side she's on after a certain point. The gangs get closer and closer to fighting it out, and then Double Crosser goes and it kills Lady Boss's uncle. And as the her cousin in that case kidnapped and yeah there's some bad torturing going on back at other boss's place when lady boss decides to make her move take whoever she's got left and 
a big fight goes down and everybody uh well the what would we consider quote the quote unquote good guys of the movie lady boss and her gang you know succeed at the fight but the blind lady takes this opportunity to tell lady boss i've been waiting for you i want to fight a duel with you but not here so they go to this cool set where it's obviously fake background but i just love the swirling cloud thing going on and they have a really cool fight where they chop at each other but the secret is revealed that i i bet you couldn't guess this but that blind lady is the same blind lady from the beginning of the movie oh like yeah no no crap (laughs) but i guess the character didn't know that it wasn't for us anyways that's about enough explanation i feel like okay we can get to details. Yeah. What do you like what, about this movie? Why I like? I mm-hmm. like that it is a... Well, I just like this type of... Like, this era of Japanese exploitation where it's just like the hyper-violent, mellow... Like, basically melodrama, like, intense, like, screaming, acting uh, type thing. Uh, I, it's a Yakuza story. It's kind of a kind of a um the uh even story so uh, kind of like you know it's it's what is that thing called the the genre of like jedi jedi something the the historical action movie I yeah it's called where, 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 where jedi comes from uh i don't remember it's a japanese word yes Okay. Uh, it's like what Yojimbo is. Okay. It's just like historical, like samurai action movie is basically yeah. what they amount to. It's a mix Give of that and Yakuza stuff, and just like the like the like the super fake, uh, artificial, like sound design. Like nothing about these movies are realistic. Let's so, see. Yeah. So for, like, for me, it's on that level. It totally works. Like, uh, and I, I was on Daniel's podcast, Mustachio Podcastio, Podcastio, I think two years ago or three years ago, talking about a Joshua Shida movie, and um, and, and it, it was like a Yakuza Yakuza comedy, and I told him like, and there are literally like hundreds of these that have never made it made it like path out of Japan, and this is yep. another like genre super specific japan genre where it's like there's hundreds of these kinds of movies that have this have never left japan seems weird they you would think that they would be popular out here but i know they they did try putting things on the market because like street fighter was out here and sister street fighter and cousin street fighter actually i don't know about sister street fighter I think it did because there's a line and and in true romance they see Sister Street Fighter in a theater. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, oh, fun, interesting thing about um, Sonny Chiba. Uh, he was a late in life dad, and his son is an actor. Yeah, yeah. And his his son is Zoro in One Piece. The the 
Netflix version. Yeah, I don't mind. Yep. They call him Zoro. Yes, they call him Zoro. Because apparently, I watched, I, I'd say, two episodes of One Piece when I, yeah. like, I don't know, when I was 14, and I didn't really get into it. But apparently, they say Zolo on it. Yeah. And but it's supposed to be Zoro. I mean, it's just a he's a he's a famous swordsman. Yeah, but he's not he's not like the the, the beefy brawler his dad is. He's mm-hmm. a bit more elegant. But uh, yeah, he's he's still a a very good action star. Cool. Uh, that. Okay. Um. D- uh. Did you like Blind Woman's Curse? Uh, overall, yeah, I did. Did you feel there were too many subplots and too many characters? Overall, yeah, yeah, I did. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, not really. Like I, I could tell what was going on the whole time. It, it didn't get really lost. I think at first I didn't realize that that older man was her uncle and not her father. And I got very confused when that other woman came up and said, "Oh, my father wants to." wants to uh, feed you or something before you go and I was like that doesn't look like the same lady did they have to recast or something <laughs> no just didn't know but uh, I mean like if somebody were to say like we could cut out the the whole subplot with the, that thing I wouldn't disagree like it doesn't have to be a <laughs> an extra dude character I mean Whatever. Yeah. Um, what about you? Subplots? Uh, it just, it just, to me, it feels random. This, the, this amount of characters and subplots, and then in the end, it, it kind of turns into, uh, fuck all that. That doesn't matter. It's about this blind woman. It's like, to it, feel like there's a lot that's set up that's never talked about and it, it has us like it, to me uh, it just feels kind of sloppy and it feels like it's just we're going off of pure vibes and energy mm-hmm. but I guess uh, it doesn't oh. oh I was just gonna say I guess, I guess if uh, they seem perfectly capable of making a more horror like cursed thing movie but Maybe they had part of a plot, and they were just like, let's combine it with this other Yakuza plot or something. Yeah. I mean, these movies were cranked out very quickly. That's why there's literally hundreds of these movies. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it just feels like half an idea, and they're like, oh, we need uh, 40 more minutes of a movie so we can put this in theaters. Yeah. It's like the joke of manga. It's like, what? Okay. Um, okay. Four, four person harem. Um, okay, uh, he's really young. No, 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 we did that one already. Uh, he's, he's really strong. That, that, nah, anyways, <laughs> just, just figure it out. <laughs> What'd you think about that hunchback? I, I like the hunchback. He's cool. Uh, I, I'm not sure what, what, what his purpose in the story is. I assume he's a serial, he's... I assume he and the blind woman are uh, are the are killing the people together. No, that I mean that's not what happens in the movie. It turns out I, that the the hunchback 
yeah. has been killing them and taking these people's tattoos without her permission, basically. He just wanted to make her happy. But later, they do fight together at the end. Yeah. But it just... Like, his whole subplot turns into, like... It reaches a point with him where, like, why are you still here? (laughs) (laughs) It's entertaining, but it's also just—it's like I don't—I don't don't get the point of this. It's a—it's a cool visual and everything. It's super stylish and bizarre, but it's also just like I I don't—it's like one of the things that just doesn't mesh. And like, you have the stinky guy who farts all the time. He Is he farting? I think he just needed to take a bath. I, I mean, assumed he's, he's definitely assumed, not wearing pants, but I assume he was, he was like, he's like quiet farts all the time. He walks like he has one halfway out already. So I don't know. And uh, there are many shots of just like half the screen. It's his butt cheek. Yep, just a lot. And it's clearly a joke, but, like, the joke kind of gets old by the end. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, one of the things in my review from, what year is it, four years ago, is, uh, where is it? Um, the way uh, they use gender in the movie... Or gender is is um like the way women are uh, specifically the blind woman and um uh, Akimi the uh, Mekokachi character. Yep. In that they are the two strongest people in the movie. They are the people who are putting things in motion. And uh, but they are very like they they have a very they're very charismatic, obviously. But there is a but they're very quiet presence compared to the men around them. Mm. Like they don't really, they're not big and showy. They are just there, and like you, and you just like know they're dangerous. You don't really need to see that they're dangerous for many. Like for for Kachi, she gets two action scenes. You get the intro, the know she's a badass. The rest of the movie is like, well, all these men respect her because she could kill them, uh, with without a. Uh, like, you know, without much of a challenge, mm-hmm. and the blind woman, like she had, she gets that one fight scene when she's in, when she's introduced, where it's like, okay, it it makes sense, and like there's never any other, uh, there's never a moment where they have to, um, where where they're like challenged, like to to like. Like I feel it'd be cheap to have like a, a scene where like they get challenged again and they have to prove their worth. Like, you, like you see them be a badass once and that's all you need. And the movie is is smart enough to be like uh, to space. It, it it does like enough work to be like uh, they are very strong characters. They are in control and you don't. And, and they don't have to be big and showy about it. They, they can be... They're showy, like, when it's necessary, but most of it is just, like, kind of a quiet, calm 
performance from them. But yep. you know that the potential is there. Yeah, they have that in common. They, they, right? No, they, but they're both very patient and know that rushing into things is never the right answer. It feels like. In the movie, the blind woman says that she spent uh, five years training to be a, uh, to kill men or something like that. Uh, yeah. Do you think that she literally had been training up until she showed up in the in the movie <laughs> again? It's possible. <laughs> so like so, you get so the beginning you get like you know, the 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 flashback of the incident, and then you get a hard cut, and it's like three years later, and then the blind woman shows up so then it's like wait so has it been two years between the three year from like the timeline when you tr- like when you don't is kind of a little confusing that they mm-hmm. that they establish well she was arrested after the first scene too and how long was she in jail or lady was that is she was in jail for three years and that. then she gets out, but it doesn't start right away after that. True. I don't know, I'm putting too much logic into it. It's just like... The, she's blind. She doesn't. She hasn't seen a calendar ever. No, wait. No, since she got her eyes cut. That's right. Yeah. Okay, and uh, like going on to the, 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 the uh, female leader thing, Akimi... Uh, uh, Meiko Kaji, she has the dragon's head. And mm. it's just a very uh, potent symbol of like, she's the boss and she's in charge. And, you know, it, it also just looks cool. Yeah, it does. And I love that last that last part of violence at the end when the one cut she ends up getting is just straight across the eyes of the dragon. And yeah, then... It's, it's very uh, symbolic. Yep. Symbolic for cutting somebody's eyes. <laughs> Wait. That happened. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, I like the way it ended, too. That, except, I, I wish that uh, the hunchback had shown up again, even though he was dead. And be like, I'm sorry, let's get married. And then the blind woman could have a happy ending also. Yeah. Well, none of them are happy endings. Let me take that back. It's just, they both live. Yeah, they both get to live. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, with the cat uh, aspect... Did, was there enough of the cat, or did you want more of the cat? Um, I would have said that there was too much cat, honestly, but no, I because th- there's like cat imagery all over the place if you're paying attention. Um, you know, of course, they're using those awesome meows to get people's attention. I, but if I was just like talking about just the cat scenes, it's like we get reminded, oh, that cat loves blood, Ooh, or whatever. It's fine. 
I don't like that they put all that ketchup on the cat at the end, though. Yeah, it's probably like, isn't it like a sugar thing? <laughs> no, no, it's just, it looks like a big glob or something. Yeah, true. Although there are parts where you see the cat clearly has a wire on it so it doesn't get away. Oh. And, uh, I hope it was secured in a way where the cat was comfortable, but it's an Ishii movie, so yeah. I'm not 100% if he cared enough to even do that. You're 0 for 3 when it comes to animals and movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who lit a bull's um, horns on fire mm-hmm. in a movie, so... uh and kill a live yeah. snake. Yeah, so it's kind of... Uh, I mean, they kill a live turtle in that Jinjo... Uh, no, what's his name? Itami movie? That's what it is, Jujo? Uh, Juzo. Juzo Itami. Okay. What's his stage name? Not his real name. Well, what's his real name? Gerald uh, Carter. And his stage name is a tribute to his dad, who was a screenwriter and mm. director. His dad wrote the screenplay for Rickshaw Man. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's that's a uh, movie starring somebody. Yeah, Mofune. Is that the one we watched? Yes. Okay, yes. for some reason I didn't remember it being called Rickshaw Man, but I saw a clear picture of Mofune in my head. Playing the playing the drums, right? <laughs> yeah. That's like the one of the big set pieces of it. Although, yeah. um, Itami, to be... Uh, I kind of type person. Uh, Tommy's uh, dad had died in the just after World War Two, when mm-hmm. to, when Juzo was uh, thirteen, and that movie didn't come out until the fifties. But like they used the the script, the same script from the forties, because that movie is a remake of mm-hmm. a movie from the forties. Uh-huh. So um, Tommy's dad still gets a screen credit, even though he he'd been dead for uh, over a decade. I just want access. To all Japanese movies subtitled before the year, I don't know, what do you think, 1990, 2000? Yeah. Or do we want them all? It doesn't matter. I just want them all. There's still stuff that can be made that's like, that will never come over here. Yep. Mm. I want to see the movies that Itami's dad made. Cause he did like satirical comedies in the 30s. Mm. And I'm just curious, like, were they like, because he quit directing after a short time, so like maybe the government was cracking down on people like him. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm sure they're available. Uh, actually, I, I know a, I have a connection to someone who gets like the imports of like every, every movie, so I, I have some stuff that's never been released in America. Give me the connection. I have to find that email. All right. Again. After the podcast. Yeah. I was yeah, about to say after work. <laughs> okay. So, uh. But, okay. Uh, despite, uh, this, this sounds like a wrap up question, but it's not. Despite my, um, uh, mixed opinions on Ichi as a director. Would you be interested in watching more of his movies? Yeah, I got no problem with that. Well, that's the end of the show, folks. I just... No, hold on.
Uh, let, let me go back through the stuff that I've seen that he did again real quick. Because uh, I mentioned like the animal stuff. Because like, that's just kind of a, a threat where it's like that might show up. I'm willing to risk it. Before a certain time, you know, I just kind of forgive it. I mean, this movie came out in the 30s, right? Yeah, the 30s. Thank God. Because if it came out any time after the 30s, it's bullshit. La Bamba? I could be watching La Bamba. Oh, sorry. Didn't actually give this one a rating yet, because I had to think about it. After the conversation, I was going to think about it some more. Usually, I only think about things for a second, but uh, sometimes I think for longer on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't remember where I learned how to do that. No. Um, are you open to watching more Meiko Kaji movies? Of course, yeah. How many animals does she kill? <laughs> uh, I don't, I doubt, I don't think, uh, men in a lot of mm-hmm. movies. Yep, okay. Uh, you know what? Why am I talking about it? I've only seen this one movie. We already talked about that. I was thinking of the actress. I've seen those three movies I mentioned before. Yeah. All right. So, uh, okay. So, uh, the with, uh, I don't know. Well, this is your first time watching it, but I've seen this multiple times already, and. By the end, I'm, I'm, uh, like the, when you hit the, like last twenty minutes, I'm just kind of tired. Yep. And I'm not sure if it was like if I was if I was tired today watching it or if it was just like the nonsensicalness of it, kind of the just like the to me, just like the kind of it clearly, you know, um. Uh, uh, extraneous, uh, the runtime, extraneous for like runtime stuff, where it's like you know they have to stretch it out into a, a full length feature. Like I'm just kind of tired by the end, and mm-hmm. vi- it's still it's still visually cool and everything. And in the end, it's not even an hour and a half long. I know, <laughs> and it's like it's just like that's one of the things I like about this era of like. The, like this type of Japanese movie is that the plots are like dense and thick, and there's there's a they are chock full of characters Neat, and goodness. Yeah, and then you like it's over, and you're like that was eighty minutes. <laughs> Where like I feel like in like a number of like Corman movies or whatnot, you're like it can be like the longest, most boring eighty minutes of your life. <laughs> yeah. I definitely paused this twice while I was watching it. You know, it wasn't one of those that, like, had me the whole time. But there's a movie that I actually liked that I watched recently that I paid to rent three times. (laughs) So, because I didn't get through it either time. So, uh, I don't know if me pausing to go to the bathroom or what have you really counts as a criticism to attention or the level of attention I'm able to give it. Um, what do you mean, don't you don't know? God damn it. I I don't know. Okay. Oh yeah. And also, um, 
this is like interesting like to see this movie in terms of because uh, I'm in my review I at some point put like the the character the, the uh, Kaji plays Akimi is basically like an earlier like evolution like an earlier like uh, version of her character in the female prisoner scorpion movies because <laughs> those movies just take uh well the first three in particular like are just like take that character and like for and like produce her not reduce her uh refine her into just like this into just like this iconic uh like I don't say badass because that's I think that's too simplistic but this like iconic uh this like this iconic character and like the traits are are there and you even have the, the prison stuff and cause, like in addition to like the uh the act the historical action movie mixed with yakuza it's also partially uh a prison movie for a brief point it's, like it, it's just a, a big mix of all this like all the ex- Japanese exploitation of this time period kind of mashed into one mm. although it it def uh, but I feel like it leans more Yakuza than anything else, but there still is like a big mix of like like uh, like, I, like a yokai demon could show up at any point and you'd be like at least for me I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense I mean like, I, I kind of did <laughs> well, kind of but like if like a like a proper like oni demon showed up, it'd be like, well yeah, of course oni exists in this world. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's got curse, or whether you believe that or not, seems like she. she I mean, it seems like she's cursed to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, do you think the supernatural is real in this, or do, you, or do you think it's this kind of like uh, so some weird like a bunch of kooky characters kind of uh, gain gain involved in a plot? Um. I don't know. I I think it is real because nobody really does anything spectacularly magical except for when the hunchback jumps backwards up up onto the roof that he's right next to because I know that's impossible and I know it's like a what what's it called a wushu yeah. kind of thing but this is Japan they can't do that. Uh, there's a lot of, like the Saint Chiba movies where it's like he does a super jump. It's this kind of a thing that it, but like uh, by this point, well, frankly, maybe not by this point, but like like mid seventies era stuff. I've seen a lot, seen a lot of like people do these big super jumps, hmm. and it's it looks goofy, and it never looks organic, and it's also part of the charm of of like this of this time for these kinds of movies which like some stuff like the violence like some of the sword hits are like that's not hitting but then you get like the gusher geyser of blood and you're like yeah well there's a geyser of blood so it still looks good (laughs) well that was uh, um i was actually after the first scene kind of upset that it wasn't more bloody violent like it was but they brought it all back in the last big battle between everybody yeah. Uh, one thing I learned from this movie is that 
the higher the rank you are in the mafia, you know, whatever have you, uh, the more blood you excrete from your body after being, you know, having a blade plunged into you. Uh, uh, okay, uh, one thing I forgot to, like, uh, uh, like, the comedy work for you? Like, did, like, the stinky guy, like, did, did the joke wear out? Or did, or did you still find it funny even by the end? Well, I found it amusing. That's a, that's about it, as much as I can say. Like, the, her saying the same thing that the uh, other lady said in the beginning. <laughs> taking a, Taking a bath. Everybody says it to him, like, you must really stink, dude. And then he, like, I think he, like, turns around and does his face, like, my feelings, or something like that. But I couldn't he's, be sure. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, he's, like, a Looney Tunes character brought into this super, just borderline supernatural Yakuza movie. Yeah. Yep. 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 Would you watch this again? Yeah, maybe. Uh, entertaining enough for sure. Okay. Uh, like if somebody was like, "Oh, if you heard of this movie, like, oh yeah, that's pretty good." Because I think I think it's we're both kind of on the like it's it's middle of the road. Yeah. Leaning towards, I want to be clear. Like it's still very entertaining to watch. It's the best you movie you have ever seen. <laughs> like even though I'm middly on it, there still is like uh, uh, there's still stuff to enjoy. It's wacky. It's violent. Mm. Uh, the it, it's not too gross in terms of like things getting rapey and uncomfortable. Yeah. I was worried about that, but it did not go there. Yeah, uh, after I, after you just you pick this one, my first thought was, "Oh shit, does this one have gross rape in it?" And I, I'm a clear, like, and sometimes like in these kinds of movies, like sexual assault is portrayed in ways where it's like this is just just you tits, and sometimes it's like this actually serves a purpose. Yeah. And uh, I was really concerned, like, oh no, I, I hope I didn't make Joel watch something that I that I forgot is as that, that I forgot is really gross and I knew what I was getting into otherwise I would have told you <laughs> pick a different movie yeah, that's true well the other option is someone that no no other guest has picked yet mm. yeah that other movie I wonder why not uh it's one of the motivars that I've noticed people won't talk about that much. Really? I've barely heard I them talk about that one. I feel like I heard a lot of people talking about it. Well, maybe but, when it came out. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> when I was talking about it, I was talking about that. I remember renting that with Sarah at the Blockbuster. <laughs> that was closest to us. It was in the foreign section. That, that well, yeah, the, the the mystery movie is one that is one of the ones that made me that, like the Motherfars, where it's like at the end, I suddenly, as like I, I suddenly start to cry. I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying so much. Mm. 
a lot of his movies tend to do that where it's like all the emotional like beats they finally like crescendo perfectly in the last five minutes and then I'm just a a, a mess mm. I can't wait to talk about Broken Embraces or not Broken Embraces uh, sorry um, not to spoil uh, <laughs> we went on the verge of a nervous breakdown yeah because one, one of the guests Zach and uh, cruising episode he's said like to him Antonio Banderas and that's Antonio Banderas has the most attractive mm-hmm. and I've seen other people be like he's hot like Banderas is hot so he looks like Egon from um, <laughs> Egon from uh, Ghostbusters mm-hmm. give the ladies what they look okay, Egon yeah, uh, yeah so um I want to. Uh, so like, uh, so I thought I mentioned earlier, some of these movies can get gross, and like there's a the Michi movie Female Yakuza Tale, which I like a lot, but it's also kind of one that, like you kind of have to. Uh, it's not one that's to jump in on for most people, because there's a subplot of transporting drugs uh, with sex workers, but they store it inside themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's done in more of a way that's like it, it's a mixture of being very casual but also being very like he he they're sticking inside themselves with a dildo kind of thing or it's like yeah yeah okay I get it hmm sounds like an amazing what no uh, parts of the movie are amazing parts of it it's like to me this sloppy ishy thing of like he had a like you know sixty percent of a movie, and then he's like, "Oh, I need to fill it with other stuff so I can have it <laughs> have a full length movie." Sloppy Ishi. Yeah, well, I know some other people who like this shit who are like Ishii's the greatest filmmaker ever, and like I don't understand that point of view. But he he's important. He's kind of a big figure. He's one of like the names that over here actually like people like outside Japan got to actually see mm. so he's kind of important for that reason mm-hmm. well, like I said there are hundreds of these kinds of movies but there are only like a handful of directors who made these that are actually kind of known outside Japan mm. and uh, Ishii was one that like the studios felt like sure let's, let's ship these thi- these ones over there who cares Yep. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that's it, like, yeah, this movie, like, for me, Blind Woman's Curse, like, is, I think, a good intro of this Japanese exploitation in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's like, even if you're, yeah, even, like, even if, you don't think you might you would like something like this. It's not as oppressively like fucked up as some of the other ones can get. It's not like a. It's not too. It's not too sleazy, but it's sle- But it's still sleazy. It's just like the right for me. The right amount of all the stuff I like about these movies, but done in a way that is. That could be better, but it's still 
it's still a, a good use of uh, a, a good like 80 84 minute experience mm. mm-hmm. I agree that's all I got I don't because <laughs> there's a series of pinky violence there are two there are, there are two pinky violence movie series one is called girl boss and then subtitle whatever mm. and then one is called delinquent girl boss but then there's a stray stray cat rock delinquent girl boss. It, it gets confusing with the whoever whoever translated these. But, it's, um, it's confusing. It is a little bit, but there is uh, the first one of this the first stray cat rock movie, delinquent girl boss came out three months before, um, blind woman's curse, and that was kind of uh, for Kaji a big stepping stone into this is um, like uh, she actually is uh, a star because she had a reputation for being a difficult woman which is code for she told producers I won't do that yep makes sense to me and then she did action movies and when she did action movies, people were like, oh, well, she'll do this. That That's fine. She's not a difficult woman anymore. Mm-hmm. This is 1970. I have to go through what came out in 1970. I don't really have, I don't have anything prepared because I was busy all day. That's okay. That's me every time we record. Okay, so I will go through some stuff that... Okay, so first off, in the category of... I have the Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it yet. The Conformist, starring uh, my beloved Jean-Louis Trintignant. Uh, it's a Berlucci movie, it's about World War Two, and... So, I, I like Berlucci stuff. Blah blah blah. I'm fully aware about the whole situation with him and the the butter scene. Yes, I I know. I still like his movies, even though he may have not been a good person. I should acknowledge that, in case anyone. Uh, okay, so stuff I actually have seen. You have Donkey Skin, which is after seeing the other two um, musicals that guy directed. I understand why Donkey Skin isn't talked about nearly as much. It's clearly the the, the last place of the three. Mm. At least, no, no, definitely is. Like, it's still good, but it definitely does not compare to um, uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg or Young Girls of Rochefort. Yep. The although in terms of set design, incredible, and the costumes are. Are really great and fun but the movie part is just uh yeah there's a reason no one really talks about it that much mm-hmm. um the landlord by hal ashby and written by bill gunn who would go on to write and direct conjure and hess and it's a, a very fascinating movie about race in uh 
in America, specifically the Northeast, and um, during the late seven, late late 60s, early 70s. And if you have not seen it, it's very funny, and it, it's it's a hell actual movie. So it's like it's very funny and has directly a deeply like fucked up uh, element to it that is kind of in the background until it's not in the background and you're and you have to confront like the really depressing angle and depressing stuff that it brings up hmm. and uh, uh, the landlord is uh, where is it uh, who is it, it has, okay, has an early appearance by Hector Elizondo I don't remember him in the movie at all <laughs> But it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, who's that other person? Because I think that's an early appearance of um, uh, a Ray Romano, Ray Romano's mom on a sitcom. No, uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I, I De- Deborah. Not his wife. His. What? I know the actress maybe it's not I might be wrong about that but I remember seeing like uh, some movie from this time was, was an early appearance from her I can't remember what it is uh, Grandma's Boy yeah I'm looking <laughs> Doris Roberts okay not Deborah Doris What movie are you saying she was in? I think it was The Landlord. Maybe some, probably something. I don't know, she's done a lot of movies. Yeah, that's true. Oh, The Landlord also has, like, Lou Gossett Jr. and other, like, the, uh, it's it's full, like, bit parts from the people who would go on to be real notable. And Marlon Clark is, uh, was in it, and she's in Gondrin Hess, and she passed away earlier this year in May. Nope. She is not in The Landlord. Okay. Well, then there's some other movie that from this time I, I'm getting mixed up with. Uh, What's with that cover? I don't know. I, that's, it's a real case of... It's it's how Ashby, so I'm sure they're like... We don't know how to market this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah weird and the last one I'm not going to mention those uh no um okay um uh Jean Roland movie The Nude Vampire uh the title is misleading but it's a Jean Roland poetic uh artsy fartsy thing where you know within five minutes if it's if it's your vibe or not but it kind of rules uh yes i also recommend that movie okay there we go that's so weird wouldn't actually show me my full list anymore the naked vampire no wait what'd you call it the nude vampire 
Yeah, the nude vampire. It's a direct translation from the French. Okay. That was an interesting one. All right. That's that's all I can say for right now. <laughs> okay, so once again, I should have watched more 1970 movies, but uh, life. Life happens, and I am life. Life finds a way. So I'll just, I'm just going to recommend The Dundage Horror again. It's a movie I watched for the other podcasts. Please don't send me into outer space. And uh, I had a fun discussion about it. It's always stayed in my mind that it, like, is not... At the time, it was not rated very well. And I don't think it even has a very good reputation uh, altogether. But, like, it's it's a pretty fun... Um, <laughs> what's the name of that guy? H.P. Lovecraft. It's an H.P. Oh. Lovecraft style story, and they—it's like got Batman the anime or the TV series style uh, effects and such. Hmm. It feels—it all feels a little silly, but that's sometimes that's how Lovecraft has actually struck me. Like this this is a little silly, okay? Uh, I mean, yeah. If you mean, like, the reason, like, the big, uh, like, evil, like, kind of evil god it is, like, an octopus, because mm-hmm. he is terrified of sea, uh, sea animals. Yep, yep. And he hated I, fish, so. Why? Freaks me out. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so... If I have to do another one, I don't know. Do I have to do another one? If have we like ever it. talked about the bird with the crystal plumage? Or have uh, you seen it? Of course I've seen it. Um, don't you don't say that. I've seen every uh, um, Argento uh, until opera. Oh. And then after that, I kind of jump around. Okay. I didn't know that. Oops. Yes, I'm a but, big Argento guy until a certain point, like a lot of people. Well, anyways, I, I thought that was pretty interesting, or at least entertaining enough. Um, Chialo-style film. I mean, it was his first movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, you already see those, like, the way he uses colors and all this stuff like that. Like, it's pretty astonishing that... He already had this thing that I now just like 100% associate with one of the movies I'm going to put on. Although, he probably didn't stick with it based on what you're saying. Dario Argento's Dracula didn't have those like striking Uh, contrast colors? No. Oh, okay. Okay, I missed a very important movie. Yeah, go ahead. I'm done. uh, Brewster McCloud, the Altman movie? You don't like that movie. Huh? You don't like that movie? No, I don't. I've been, I'm a poser this whole time. <laughs> it's one of the most important movies in the history of cinema because it's the first film of Shelley Duvall. Mm. And your Star Trek dude, Rene Aujourd'Hui. Whatever. French names are bullshit. Um, that guy <laughs> is in it. Yep. He's in a couple of Altman movies, right? He so is, she. 
She was in seven. He was a, yeah, he was an Altman regular. Yeah. Seven. She's in seven, yeah. Do you think Altman ever wanted to try to punch Stanley Kubrick in the face? Uh, I'd hope so. Yeah, me too. Okay, he's in Ma uh, Renee is in MASH. Yeah, I, I think I knew that. That's one I haven't seen. That's been that's one of those ones that's like I'll get to it when I get to it. I am in no rush to watch it. Mm hmm it, It's one of those homework movies where I've been told my whole life you have to watch it and it's like, Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll I'll get to it. But it's got Daddy Sutherland in it. So it's probably good, right? Sure. And he's McCabe and Mrs. McCabe and Mrs. Miller and the player. Cool. Yeah, and uh, those are Brian James in there? <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, uh Yeah, he's a he's an Altman dude. And uh, other stuff Another movie came out that year that we will do an episode on, uh, The Cirque Rouge, The Red Circle, because that was on a list of movies that Motivar is a fan of. Slash, it's supposed to be done last season, but uh, it just kind of didn't happen. Hmm. So uh, hopefully Gambrill will, will return to your show, because that's one of her favorite movies. Or maybe she said that was her favorite movie. Anyway, yeah, she, she, uh, uh, uh and uh, Justin Harrison. I'm saying Royland. I don't know why. <laughs> He's better than Justin Royland. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah. So, uh, I have a a blog, Jailhouse Seven Zero One Japanese Cult Cinema. I have reviews of movies like Blind Woman's Curse. And you can go on that site and read uh, a fairly well-written review with a couple of grammar mistakes that I should go go through and go in there and fix. Um, yeah, I yeah, so I, I write about movies like that and uh, another movie you and I have discussed called Burst City. Yes, which which I fucking love. But it took like three times to watch it to, for it to fully sink in what that movie actually is. Maybe uh, we should yeah. put that movie or that episode on this feed. Okay, yeah, they, they, yeah, definitely. Just send me the file, and I can, I can definitely. And I think it does fit with like the some of the themes of the season too. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating movie that uh, it's basically. A, like this is a sounds like a bad description, but it's not. But um, it's like a two-hour music video, which is also kind of exhausting. <laughs> which is, I think, which is also kind of the point of the movie, which is like to be extra and kind of exhausting. At least I I, I see it that way. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so uh, I also have a a blog on African history called Red. No, uh, Red. Red, black, and green uh, celebration of African history, and I write, I write for Grumpire. I have uh, articles and shit on there. I 
did something for the hip hop celebration where I wrote about a movie that I dearly love called How High and how that's my favorite hip hop movie. <clears throat> Duh. That's it. Cool. Um, I don't have anything yet. Trying to get back into normal things. Yet. I think I should just say that this is, you know, I don't. If you could look up the suicide hotline real quick, Spencer. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been off my game. Uh, nobody else would say that because I've always been slightly weird off my game on. Uh, when it comes to always having time yeah. to record. But my oldest brother, Kim, killed himself, committed suicide July 9th. And that kind of made things a lot harder to even think about doing. Watching movie or recording the things that I actually quite like doing loving was the change to like the equivalent of going to the dentist for some people like all of a sudden I just felt like unsafe with my emotions unsafe with myself that's obviously the dentist is not like that I just couldn't think of a better example of like not wanting to do something kind of existential dread so, it's been going on, th- or, yeah, three months. It's been three months. Never going to be better. That's not how grief works. But I am going to be trying to treat myself better. And that includes getting back into the things that I did love. It's not like I forgot that I loved them. <laughs> so... I don't I don't know. I can't be a spokesperson for this stuff. But if you ever feel that way yourself, just know you're never alone. It's always somebody waiting for a call, a message and a suicide uh, hotline there is specifically set up for people to know they're not alone. Do you want to include the actual number on the episode? Yeah. Did you hear me say, look it up? Yes. I just <laughs> changed the page. Um, 988? Yeah, it looks like in America. All you have to do is that now. Oh, okay. Because it used to be an 800 number. <clears throat> I wasn't sure if, it, if, if 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 I looked up the right thing, okay. but so it is. It is nine eight eight. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Anyways, back to the funny business. No, we can talk about serious shit. It's fine. No, we can't. It's a, it, it, trans rights are human rights. <laughs> we already yeah. do that. We do that plenty of times. Anyway, so 
Um, she's not not to be a tone what flash, but uh, uh, <coughs> other episodes coming out because this I'll, I'll probably throw put this one up fairly soon because uh, it'll be easier edit than other stuff. Um, so like upcoming stuff will be uh, um, Seven Beauties, um, Whitey, the Fast Fender movie. Which, that's quite a movie. I'll <coughs> leave it at that. Uh, it best... certainly is a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Um, what are the, uh, the, whatever happened to Baby Jane and the sort of sequel. I can't remember the title offhand. Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Yeah, so, uh. We had that stuff down the pipeline, and yeah, this was kind of a, a quickly thrown together thing. So, if you couldn't tell by, it feels like a little, little looser and sloppier, kind of like an old, like a, the first season type episode. What the hell? <laughs> I think we did better. Uh, yeah, true. I'd, I'd I have to listen to <laughs> this season. I can't listen to. Like the first twenty episodes here. Yeah. Uh, Harmony wants to go back and redo them. Man, let's do it. I mean, honestly, I would just rather do just a Japanese movie podcast, like at some point, rather than changing around. Well, uh, who cares? It doesn't matter. So, f- season five will be Altman, and. Uh, after that, my plan is, I have a, have a plan to do like a sideshow and just cover every African movie I can find streaming. Because mm-hmm. there are quite a few. And the idea would be to have like a different person on each time. Because I kind of want to force people who have never, you know, either have just never done the work or have never simply like, you know, come up, like, watched any African movie besides like, uh, Project no district, district nine. Yeah, district yeah, nine, district nine. It's such a that title's so generic. It's hard for me to remember. Hmm. <laughs> yes. I know, I, yeah, I know. I don't. It serves a purpose, but like, is this one of those titles? Like, it could have been better. Anyway, yeah. So. uh... So that might happen in the future. It probably will. I don't know when. I'll actually. It, it won't be a separate season. It'll be probably a whole, a whole separate show. And you can be on. You can be on episodes if you want to. No, I'm busy. I've got. I've got other friends. I'm gonna be hanging out with. We're gonna do an Altman three thing. years from now. <laughs> we're gonna. We're gonna be doing an Altman thing for like at least two two years, possibly three. Hmm. He made a lot of movies. Not that many movies. Come on. That's true. It's still... it's it's. I think it's more than Kurosawa. More than Kurosawa? That's a lot of movies. I changed my mind. I think he did more than Kurosawa. I think it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, that's the episode, you know... Uh... It, it, you know, it... 
if you feel the need or know someone that needs it. Uh, 988 is a suicide hotline for, a, for for the United States. I don't know what it is for Canada or say other parts of the world because now we have listeners from all over the world. So if you're not in the United States, um, uh, find out what it is. We could put it into the notes of the thing, or at least a couple of other places. Yeah. Okay, that is it. See you guys for whatever comes out after this or before this. Woozle wazzle. is by James Fell. Our logo is by Andrew Bargeron. You can find him as Jemetsko on Threadless, TeePublic, Redbubble, Shirt Woot Catalog, and T-Theory. That is spelled G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O. You can find our show in previous seasons on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and other places where you can find podcasts.